Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Welcome on back, everybody, to the Founding Positors. I'm Mr. Leesman. And I am Mr. King. Uh, so, yeah, with guys, there's really not much of an ad, other than if you consider Simply Safe. No, I'm like kidding. Um, no. Actually, paid us. No yeah, not yet. Feel free to pay us for something, I guess. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Oh, um, so I guess, you know, we can just make ourselves our own ad. So if you are listening to this and you are not a member of the Podther family on social media, get at it. So we have our Instagram, which is the uh, at founding underscore Podthers. Um, and then we just started. So today we're filming this on July 1st. Um, as of this morning, we have a Twitter account as well. Oh. Um, Founding Podthers was too long, so we are on Twitter. We are at the Podthers. Um, you know, I'll put it in the description for the episode. Um, it's too long. Founding Podthers was too long. What if I had a long name? You know, you'd have to have one of those ones where it's like a bot, where you're like, like at you know at Jim A three one two nine nine eight seven five. Yeah. Yikes. So we are at the Podthers or at founding underscore Podthers. Go follow, go like, show us some love. Proof mm-hmm. to us that we should still keep doing this. Just kidding. Yeah, and, and like you, yeah, we're just going to do it anyway. But like you said, <laughs> it's actually it's July 1st, but uh, yeah. happy early um, 4th of July. I almost oh, yeah. named every holiday. <laughs> happy Easter, Christmas. Yeah. Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Whatever. Right. By the time this comes out, it'll already have been 4th of July. So I hope everybody yeah. had a so, before at the at the time of this recording, have a happy Fourth of July. If you're yes. listening to this after the Fourth of July, I hope you had a great Fourth of July and you have both yes. of your thumbs. Same. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a good thing we're recording this when it is because you know today's episode is going to be about the American Revolution. So oh. you know, very July Fourth themed. I feel like it's very America much. Revolution. Right. <laughs> Such revolution. Much freedom. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, so today really starts like a arc uh, episode, like like episode, series of episodes, if you want to call it that, of the American Revolution. So, like, yeah. t- today we're going to we're gonna cover as much as, of it as possible. And in order to do that, we have to go as in-depth as possible. We have to do this over multiple episodes. So today we're going to talk about f- war and actual fighting. So we're gonna Yeah, I mean, this is a really really important part of american history because this yeah. is what you know starts yeah. american history the so. meat and potatoes like it's yeah uh yeah. so yeah later we're going to talk about the political aspect the next episode is going to be things like the declaration of independence um the articles setting up our first government yeah right yeah and then how good or end or bad it was well, you'll have alert. to just wait and see yeah you don't want to give too much away yeah um yeah like you said, today we're going to talk about the actual war and the fight. Oh, hell's yeah. And that's probably probably the more exciting stuff, right? Who doesn't yeah. like a good, uh, yeah. Who amongst I mean, us doesn't love a good war story? So we're, we're going to talk about some like Assassin's Creed-esque material here today, right? Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but definitely. So uh, first, things away, first thing out of the way, we're going to talk about kind of like the strengths and weaknesses of the British and the Americans. Because, um, yeah. you know, they're the ones squaring off. Right. So, first up, we have the British. Yeah, so the, the British 
they were considered to be the best military in the world. I mean, they literally defeated any other uh, like powers that questioned their abilities. So you right. know, Spain, who was very powerful, what did the British do? Kicked their ass. France, very powerful. Kicked their they teeth in. <laughs> they, they, kicked, they kicked their teeth in through their butts. Right? Oh, like, yeah. It's just, so the British are really the only power left in the They're world. They're crapping rollers for weeks. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the British are the best military in the world. Not only that, but they had a very strong navy as well. Uh, right. They were very well equipped, uh, disciplined, well paid, and well fed. I mean, that's yeah. a strong military right there. Right. So, I mean, and there's a very big reason why we're going to say that they are disciplined, paid, and fed. Because that is yeah. that is a striking difference between the two. Um, yeah. It was also easier for the British to raise money. So I mean, war is expensive. I um, mean, they were an established like colonial power, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. So if they needed to hit somebody up, uh, anybody up for more money, whether it be the colon, their uh, whether it be their the people through taxes or borrow the money through loans, uh, it was easier for them to do that than the Americans. The yeah. Americans had. Uh, not only that, but the, the British also engaged in some shenanigans and got their hands oh, dirty yeah. by hiring basically assassins, right? So oh, yeah, no. they hired these, these groups <laughs> yeah. of people called the Hessians, yeah. uh, and they were German mercenaries uh, that, that were uh, hired to help fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I put wired, hired. They, but they, yeah. were, they, were, they were an aggressive people. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, imagine thinking that you're going to fight a bunch of, like, chariot, yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like, a German dude's running at you. You're like, what is happening? <laughs> Zephyr, you're not breathing. Just oh, yeah, like, Hans, what? No, yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, so they, they, uh, they, and that actually pissed off a lot of Americans that they actually had to go and hire extra people. Uh, <laughs> but, so one thing that the, the British had, so it said traveling across the ocean was expensive and slow, which means it's hard to restock. Right, um, that's so that was one of the, one of that, that was one of the biggest weaknesses is that like they couldn't just be like hey can you just run and go get me more bullets right yeah because what are they gonna do turn to the colonists the colonists are gonna be like <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but yeah it was hard to convince the british public that the war was worth it yeah so the the british people weren't necessarily all on board which if you look at the history of warfare um, the first thing a country tries to do is get their people to actually support a war, right? So whether that's through propaganda or whatever. Um, so it was hard to convince the British public that the war was actually worth it. The, the longer the war took, too, the less likely people would think the juice was worth the squeeze. And if you put it together, we're, I mean, the British Empire is fighting a bunch of drunk poor farmers, farmers. and maybe a couple and they, merchants and like... Yeah. Yeah, like they and this just, is on the drunk part. They were definitely like hammered half the time. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean Ben Franklin, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about the interruption. FedEx just showed up at the house, so that was that yeah. was fun. Well, Gus Bus got freaked out. Yeah. Well, he's just doing his job, you know. Right. Yeah. That's what I hired him for. Um, Another like serious weakness was uh, they the British were fighting an unfamiliar territory, so yeah. they were less sure of strategic locations. Like you said, those drunk farmers, they're fighting in their backyard. So like a hundred percent. You got some guy that's um I know it's like a different war, but it's um I don't know if you remember Mr. King from the movie Gangs in New York, fantastic movie. Oh, great movie. Um the scene where they have the Dis iron uh, disclaimer, it is it is graphic. Violence I think it's rated. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is 
if if you are able to watch the movie, definitely watch it. Daniel not, get does it, get, an excellent get, job. Leonardo get DiCaprio. Get a loved one of age to show it to you. Yeah, right. Um, with their with you know parental. Of course, they're parental yada, yada yada yada. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So long story short, the 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 Irish uh, immigrants are coming off the boat and immediately being oh. signed up to go fight in the army. Yeah. And as soon as they they're like walking yeah, it's like, and they're get, like get your get your like green card, your papers. By the way, sign up for the draft. And, right. He's like the, he the guy points to. He goes, this makes you a citizen. This makes you a member of the army. Go fight for your country, son. And uh, the guy's like, yeah. what? Pat on the back, and he's like, I just yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> and one of them, and one of the guys goes, it's like, all right. It's like, where are you going? Uh, Kentucky. What's a Kentucky? Like, <laughs> like that's essentially what happened to the British at this point, because they'd be like, all right, guys, we're gonna march on Philadelphia, and like everyone's like, where's that? Like, yeah. <laughs> they they have no idea what's going on. Which, by the way, I think we said last time, but we cannot put a strong enough emphasis on how important Philadelphia is as a city during this oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the heart of the country. Yeah. Now now you now you have some, like, like nonchalant sports teams that do okay every once in a while and no. a really contaminated river. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, you know, the, Phillies, the Phillies can go kick rocks if you ask me. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, like we said, um, the Americans – Probably their biggest advantage, which we'll talk about in a second, was that they were home fields. And it's like if you're a sports person, I guess like like I'm a big hockey guy, right? Mm-hmm. So like you'll watch like when certain hockey teams play at home, they'll like bank a shot off the backboards, and you're like, why? Why would you purposely miss the net? And it, like it like pops back up, and like they yeah. get, they get the rebound, and they just shoot it right back into the net. And it's you're like, like oh, the, the subtle the subtle nuances. Yeah. That, um, same thing with baseball. So, like, I mean, like the home field advantage. I think out of I feel like out of all sports, um, at least like being a sp- baseball fan, like I feel like that's where it makes the most difference. Um, because number one, you're outside. So, like for example, um, there was a period of time with the new Yankee Stadium where if you like hooked a shot in the air to like I think it was like left field, uh, le- right field. I think it was. It was like almost guaranteed to be a home run because it was just like oh well, yeah, it's like that was there. Yeah, I was just say there's like there's certain wind current or you know currents and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, um, I mean, but yeah, know, I mean they, they get to practice there nonstop, so they know where. Fenway Park I mean, these with are... the Green Monster. Oh yeah, that's that's you know that's a hard not, wall to get not over. not a Red Sox guy, but beautiful stadium. Yeah, no, I, I actually loved it there. Um, so, like well, said, Boston dude, knows how to do one thing. It's to throw tea, like, yeah, just like it's no one's business. And sports stadiums, because uh, TD Gardens for the Boston Bruins, also absolutely beautiful. Yes, agreed. Absolutely um, beautiful. All right, so... Like well, let's back said, to the Americans, right? Americans, yeah. Americans, uh, Americans did know the landscape, like, the back of their hand, especially, and a lot of times it was local boys fighting. Um, yeah. So, so essentially, well, like... They were, like... They, it, honestly, like the American, like the, the the soldiers were really just like a ragtag group of like, uh, like Good old boys, um, like yeah. yeah, like militias, like they yeah. were like local militias that wound up banding together to fight a ginormous global superpower. Yes, and they won, which is great. The, the but... ultimate underdog story, right? Tugs at your heart. Yeah. Um, so like one of the ways that like so Americans found it, uh. We're going to go over it in a little bit. A lot of times, Americans actually had what was called uh, guerrilla fighting. So, like, they were essentially, like, if they got to a point where they could put the British on the run, they would literally just go and, like, hide in the trees, hide behind walls, and use, like, the terrain to their advantage to absolutely just, you know, 
demoralized the British because they didn't know where any of the shots were coming from. Which, fast forward, you know, several years, but eventually when we go over to places like Vietnam and we engage in the <laughs> Vietnam War, that's what, that's what, like, that's what catches us off guard. We're like, what? Yeah. You know, like, people yeah. didn't run tactics. We had so our own tactics against us. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. But, um, so uh, some a of the bad, bad note, things. Yeah. A, a bad note of the American <laughs> Army is they were not trained at all. A lot of yeah. people that were fighting in the revolution, like, if they didn't have guns, they were just, like, literally, like, pitchforks, like, running at you. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I just chuckled, but, like, that's 100% it. Um, and, you know, when it comes to a military, like, you have to have God to honest, like, legit training. Well, like, guns are to, like, expensive. You know, guns are expensive. Guns are powerful. Guns, like, you know, if you've never shot a gun before, there's so many things. Um, uh, it's quite know. the rush of emotion. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, you've got, like, you know, you're more of a danger to yourself and others, you know, with no oh, yeah. training. Especially if you, know. you don't know, and and then, like, well, nowadays yeah. it's a little different because the weapons are very different, but, oh, yeah. I mean, the the guns back then, you know, like, the, the barrel wasn't, you know, designed properly, so, like, the yeah. bullet would oftentimes stray in a different direction, you're aiming forward and it would the bullet would just go to the right a little bit it was, yeah there, like a bad there are situations where the gun the gun would just misfire or explode back at you like if you yeah. didn't load it properly you know so yeah. like it's just this is not it were it was a fine-tuned it was a you had like it was the opposite of fine-tuned machine it was something that you had to baby and you had to like supremely take care of um and if it you know if you take care of your equipment it will take care of you yeah um, um but yeah, those even if you had your hands on a gun, like those supplies were they were scarce, and it was hard for even like the British, I mean the Americans, to go get those supplies. Yeah, well, uh, you know, not only was it because you have to remember, like things like trains and cars don't exist nowadays. Mm -hmm. so, or at that at that point, sorry. Horse so back, you know, if it's if carriers. it's not right, if it's not in your local area, you have to go get it, and it will take days, weeks to get that stuff shipped to you. Yeah. So or at least it would send it would take days or weeks to get like word sent there to have it sent to you. You know, like right. meanwhile there could be British like envoys on the roads like blocking your you know, like it, it just it's it's not easy. I'm assuming Something else that, or, had to be like anticipatory orders, like, hey, I think we're gonna need you yeah. know Well I mean again I am not nowhere close to being a general in the army, so I I would not be able to tell you. But Right. Um uh, one other thing that the Brit the Americans had going against them was just sheer numbers. Um, I mean, the British had fifty thousand troops at the ready with thirty thousand of those Mercener German Mercs that we were talking about. Um, so that's like a big deal when, like, at the most, Washington at one time never had more than like maybe twenty thousand people. Right. So we're talking like eighty plus thousand. British and allied forces versus 20,000 maybe American fighters. Yeah. If you if you play those numbers, it's not a good hand. No, it's really there. not. Um, All at the same time, they're they're short on food supplies. Their their clothing is not being produced at a fast enough pace. They're not well equipped for the winters that are coming ahead, especially because mm -hmm. a lot of the battles take place up in north. like the central and northern parts of the what is then colonies. Uh, so it, it yeah, was not too too many were fought in like South Carolina and Georgia. Some were, but no. like not. I mean, you some Virginia, more like Pennsylvania. Yeah, you had more New York, um, yeah. Philadelphia like area. Yeah. yeah, 
Uh, well, actually, I think you said Pennsylvania, but yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So, and we can't stress this enough: the the biggest strength that the Americans did have was the deep knowledge of the terrain. So again, yeah. this was their backyard. They knew exactly what was valuable and how to absolutely use it to their advantage. So they would have like two hills in front of them. Someone would say, "No, don't use that hill because at this time the sun shines in your eyes." And yes, we'll You're have the we'll have the high ground, Anakin. But <laughs> they, uh, you'll you won't be able to see it. Right? So yeah. So you like know. one of them, one of those. So it says it was actually easy for the Americans to find uh, the British. Uh, e- it was actually easy to find the Americans because you could just track the blood in the snow, um, yeah. because they had <laughs> poor med- poor medical care, poor um, you know clothing. So like you know, they it was it was just not a good look. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what was a good look though. A lot of people around the world hated England. Oh, so this was a great yeah. opportunity to chip away at some of their power. So Ex- countries yeah. like Spain and France, who absolutely hated the British for what they did to France their is, country's yeah, kind of war. France is still pissed at the Seven Years' War. Yeah, I mean, especially yeah, I mean, it's, it, this is fresh blood between England and France. Mm-hmm. So France actually provides eighty-five to ninety percent of the gunpowder for the Americans in the first two years of the war, and it's it's pretty much because of the French that we do win the war. And oh, yeah. I feel like it is it's very easy to like look over that but it literally like they the French start sending over like military people like generals the Prussians equipment, did equipment weapons yeah the, too, yeah right um I, yeah I think we we go into some specific people in a little bit too um but it, really it's with foreign aid that we're able to defeat the uh the British because if it was just up to a bunch of drunk all like yeah, we were very uh headstrong Americans yeah. still are but yeah. you know yeah the, the numbers game wasn't looking very good for us so no it was just kind of like that sheer force of will like that the Americans had um they also had a, a like a trick up their sleeve and that would be uh good old George Washington actually goes on to be yeah eventually goes on to be the first president Right, he um, was that experienced leader, and here's what he had um, that benefited the Americans immensely. He was a British military officer, like he. Yeah, literally... so he knows all the plays. Exactly. So he's like, oh, I'm just gonna open up the playbook. Right. It's like someone in the army's like, man, I wish we could know what they're about to do. And George Washington's like, oh, you mean this? Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't, so... I doubt that's how he sounded. I. One thing, especially as a history person, like I wish I could be able to hear like what certain people sound like like wouldn't it be funny if you go back in time and george washington and you're like oh my god george washington it's so great to meet you and he was like hey how's it going you know like it would just <laughs> well, well so like, like I, that's kind of what's going on right now with uh i doubt it since he was like no but um <laughs> but like lincoln like you know because we never knew what he sounded like um you know people it's like stories upon stories upon stories are yeah. saying like you know if you were to look at a YouTube video of somebody pretending to be Abraham Lincoln ten years ago, you know fifteen years ago, he would have had like a deeper voice, like deep strained voice, and that would have been it. Daniel Day Lewis takes up Lincoln, and they do some research, and all of a sudden they're like, "Nah, he had a higher pitched voice than that." Which, so now, by the way, again, Daniel Day Lewis, excellent movie, Lincoln. Yes, you're talking about Vampire Slayer, right? You know it. Yeah, you know it. Just kidding. Abraham yeah. Lincoln Vampire Slayer. Um, also, I've seen that movie. It is an fantastic. interesting movie. <laughs> Would you say it's fantastic or is it just like a good? Is it like one it's of those... definitely it's one of those movies where you watch and you're like, all right, you know. But <laughs> yeah, all right. 
And definitely not factually accurate. Well, maybe. Um, I don't know. But also, probably not. But anyway, who was on each side, right? So people who preferred the crown and the British were known as loyalists, also known as Tories. Uh, so yeah, there, you will hear some of these nicknames being thrown out. Yeah, yeah. Um, people who wanted revolution and supported leaving the British Empire were known as surprise surprise patriots patriots yeah i mean that's why we have that's kind of where you have the new england like patriots too exactly um, uh, current theories say about 20 20 percent favorites staying with the british um with a similar maybe even smaller number preferring revolution yeah we're going, well we're, i was gonna say no matter how you split it that's only 40 percent. so yeah. majority of people roughly 60 percent, they had no idea what they wanted yeah a lot of people they didn't I mean, yeah, they were trying to figure out which one benefited them the most. Exactly, because at the end of the day, most Americans or most colonists or whatever you want to call them at this point, really all they wanted to do is just live their life. Survive. Feed their family, you know, give their kids a nice life and just, you know, keep working. Like that's yeah. – just keep your head down and just keep moving. Like that's – I mean at right. the end of the day, that's what everybody wants. But like most people are like that. This is like number one of my priorities is like – Well, yeah, and if you think about it, it, like if – if the Patriots are successful, which they obviously are, but um, the idea of having a brand new country, like, and seeing if it's able to take care of you is kind of scary. You know, like you're, you're oh, under yeah. the cushion. I mean, obviously a lot of people are not happy with the way the British are treating them, but they're under the cushion of the strongest empire in the world. I mean, England right. is still one of the strongest nations in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. It's, I mean, at the end of the top, day, top five. People- a lot of people argued that it was one of those deals that, like, the devil you know. Yeah, right. You know, I, I, I can only assume that that's what they kind of felt. Um, you know, and but propaganda I, is really played hard it, here. It is, a, it is a strong piece of any war. Um, right. And I'm sure you're thinking, though, you know, as we're talking about this, so we know the Americans win. What happens to that twenty percent that favored, uh, that were loyal to the British crown, and like, what happened to those loyalists when the British got their terrible ass teeth kicked down their throat? That's right. Um, yeah, they left. Oh, they fled. Um, yeah. A lot of them just like were like, you know what? I'm going back. I'm going straight to England, or I'm going to Canada. Because yeah, because Canada at this point was still controlled by. Or Canada was still controlled by England, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because while they were in the Amer- like in the United States or in the colonies before it does turn into a country, um, they were getting like tarred and feathered. Yeah. Um, which tar is boiling hot, sticky liquid uh, that'll kill you. Yeah. So you're, you're was, cooked yeah. alive. So like mm-hmm. this is that's not something they're like. Yeah, I think we're good. Their houses are being burned down. They're like, yeah, we're just yeah. Gonna, we're just going. Well, yeah, we're just gonna go away. Or they were just like, just kidding. <laughs> Forget it. We love the Ameri- Americans. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how did the war get started? Uh, you know, everyone really considers the battles at Lexington, Lexington and Concord to be the start of the war. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, the British had a plan. Um, they wanted to snuff out a possible rebellion before it could even get started. Um, and what they started to do is they wanted to get to the stockpiles of gunpowder because they knew that they existed and they wanted to cut off the Americans at the knees by getting rid of all of their supplies. Right. They also wanted to capture certain people, like key individuals, such as Sam Adams, which, I mean, he makes a tasty adult beverage. So yes, obviously. he does. Yes, and he John does. Hancock, which, uh, you know, that's we infam- infamous about signing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
who were already notable figures within the revolutionary movement. Uh, so the, this plan was actually leaked, and the colonists swiftly moved into action. Right. So once they once they took care of those stockpiles, the story goes that Paul Revere and a couple other guys got on their horse and rode through Boston to warn people that the British were coming. Um, yeah. Yeah, he would hang the him his people would hang the lanterns in the steeple of the old North Church, and the whole idea was that one if by land, two if by sea. Right. So one like one lantern if they're coming by land, yes. two lanterns if they're coming by sea. And yes. again, if you if you ever go up to Boston, uh, Massachusetts, definitely go visit the old North Church. It is absolutely beautiful. Have you? I was gonna say, have you ever been there? Yeah, I did, we did a whole tour of uh, of Boston. Well, my yeah. my friend lives up there, so we just yeah. Well, I I mean I knew that, but he lives like he lives like thirty stuff. minutes away. So you know, we would just go one day, do some stuff, go back another day, do some other stuff. Yeah. but it's a beautiful city. I want I want to go back because I lo- I are not big fans of Boston. New Yorkers up there. But uh, yeah. Anyway, when Revere and his men got to the church, they climbed up the steeple and the two <laughs> lanterns for sixty seconds. So that's all they needed to get the word out. So right. two coming by sea right so the next morning when the british arrived they found an armed militia waiting for them which is kind of like oh yeah which is just kind of like i'm sure when the british landed they expected or like they woke up that morning they were like all right guys like quick little easy job like they didn't really expect much like we're gonna get to them before they you know we'll get to the supplies and we'll take care of this before the americans even know what's going on and then like you just find like a bunch of like backwards ass like you know guys with like muskets and random guns and you know whatever just waiting for you it's got to be like all right yeah like the british the british are like longer (sighs) yeah yeah um dang nabbit you know like yeah yeah long story short though that first shot between the colonists and the uh the the redcoats um known as a shot heard around the world uh once that rang out that the war was on and it was on like donkey kong oh yeah exactly um, yeah one one red coat was wounded and eight militiamen were killed so was not a strong showing for the americans no uh in concord the british marched uh they they were looking for weapons to disarm the colonists but most of them had actually been relocated mm-hmm. uh so they they basically burned what they had found so that's yes. what happened in Concord. Yes, so whatever was left was just burned. Uh, when the Americans and British faced off in Concord, the British fired first, but fled when the colonists fired back. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it was big bed, like army bands. They probably had to go change their diapers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but because of this strong showing, the Americans, like, you know, between Lexington and whatnot, by the time everything had went down and conquered, they were able to rustle up about 2,000 militiamen, which is, like, honest to God, that's a strong showing for the Americans. I mean, knowing what we know, that it was so hard for them to get people. Oh, yeah, just, like, at the snap of a finger, like, 2,000 2000. And a lot of them were known as, yeah, a lot of them were known as Minutemen because, like, the whole idea behind it is that they were last minute ready and that they were, like, ready within a minute's notice. Like, they were like, right. oh, oh, you need me? I'm on. Like, it was one of those that they were, like, ready as soon as you needed them. Also, when the British start fleeing, the Americans are hot on their tail. Oh, yeah. They were following the hex out of them. Uh, first, they would just follow them. And like I said earlier, that whole idea of guerrilla warfare, um... They were just firing from behind trees, walls, houses. Like they were just like, they were camping. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Well, I guess we should also like just very briefly mention that 
there were there were rules to warfare at this time. Like you yes. could stand in a line, ready, aim, fire, and then shoot, and then reload, ready, aim, fire. Then yeah, like I was that's that was war. And then the Americans like basically break those rules, and they're just like, no, we're just gonna straight up murk you. You know? So yeah, like, I'd like to know who came up with those rules because that's just yeah, like dumb. <laughs> yeah, like while while the British are like lining up and like getting their shoes shined and ready for battle, the the Americans are like 360 no scoping people just like from behind trees and stuff. So there is another, um, you know, I guess more violent movie, um, the Patriot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's with, this, um, what's his face? That guy that, um, the anti-Semitic guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but what's Mel his Gibson. name? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Um, there is a scene, um, I think it's, you can find it on YouTube. I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick. Just to make sure I have the right one. Long story short, it like quintessentially shows that idea of that guerrilla warfare where it's like Mel Gibson and his two sons are like running through the wilderness, like as like the British are walking by. Um, and he basically sets up like they have like a handful of rifles and they basically like preload them. And like the two sons, their sole job is just reload. Um, and Mel Gibson basically goes running like an idiot around the forest, just like no scoping these uh, yeah, boats, and just right, like, like obviously Mel Gibson is being a, a man's man running around, just like and it was and it was it was like based off a real guy. I gotta find his name. Yeah, Francis Marion, the Swamp Fox. Basically, like the British were like. Bro, there's a ghost out there. Like a lot of times, like no, no joke. They, they literally were like, they, they would be like walking by. They'd be like 10, 15 guys walking, and he would just snuff all of them. And he was like, the, was like he's, they're like a the father of modern girl. Like, right, there be phantoms in this woods. Oh, that was more like Australian, I guess. <laughs> that, no, no, that was perfect. They, he literally would just, I mean, absolutely just, like, destroy all these guys. I was just, like, running around, like, the woods, and, like, if they weren't looking, he'd probably, like, hack them, too. And it's just, huh. like, if he would let one guy go, it was just, he, it was like that. He's like, there's a ghost in these woods. <laughs> can't go back that way. <laughs> it's like, and they're like, and meanwhile, like all the officers are like, quite ethereal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. They'd be like, a ghost. And they're like, right. <laughs> we couldn't see where the shots were coming from. <laughs> it's like, we ain't seen no one we did. Like, <laughs> we saw nothing. Yeah. Right. We ain't seen nothing. So, I mean, that's, like, hella demoralizing because you're just, like, losing everybody around you and you're like, I don't want to move. (laughs) And it's like, right, (laughs) like a well-trained army running through the woods and this guy's just taking swings of whiskey, going to a gun, tapping people, going, just, like, eroding people. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, like, it's one of those things that, like, you're freaked out if you're, like, one of the British. Like, I'm actually, I, mean, I still have the scene right now, and it's literally, like, all the people are, like, f- the Redcoat's, like, scared looking around, just shooting off into, like, random spots, and, uh, and Mel Gibson just, like, peeks behind a tree and goes, gotcha. <laughs> just, like, keeps running. The net. <laughs> That's 100% what it is. Like, I'm watching one of them, the guy's, like, looking one direction, just, I mean, has his face absolutely caved in, and it's, like, it's, like, one of those scenes where it's, like, you, like, laugh a little bit, but you know this 100% happened. Like, <laughs> they, they had you no idea His name was the on. Swamp Fox, right? Like, the, the hell of a name! Yeah. But anyway, yeah. as you can imagine, the British have their uh, their tiddlywinks all tied up, and they are, oh, yeah. they are scared. Oh! Uh, so they... 
they they abandon their weapons really quick, which is great because oh, yeah. the Americans get <laughs> more to pick weapons. Up those weapons. Right, so, and they're good uh, weapons too. Those are like carefully cared for and they're like expertly made guns too. So like right. so uh, yeah, right. Even though the casualties were small, it proved the Americans that they could actually stand up to the most powerful army in the world. Quite the booster, right? Oh yeah, that definitely put like the feather in their cap. They're like, ooh, buddy. Yeah. We so did. I guess let's let's move on to another important one, Bunker Hill, right? Yes. So on June sixteenth, seventeen seventy five. So we're getting close to seventeen seventy six. But a uh, a group of American troops were on their way to Bunker Hill with picks, shovels, and guns. The soldiers aimed to put dig uh, or you know to dig themselves into that into that hill, uh, basically to create like a at that point, like a trench almost, right? Right. So. Yeah. They wanted some place where they can, like, dig themselves in, and that was, like, where the American line was. That way they can kind they would of... Hold, they would hold the line. <clears throat> Correct. They basically wanted a place where they could also probably, like, hide as they reloaded shots. Because, like, we're, we're shooting muskets at this point, everybody. Like, yeah. they're literally, like... It, it took, like, a full second, a full minute for them to reload. Because it was, like, you yeah. fired a shot, you had to, like, take out a new cartridge, you had to... Like, rip it open with your teeth, pour the, like, gunpowder down in there, take the ramrod, ram it down in, pull that out, pop the bu- pop the bullet in, ram it down a second time, pull it in, put the ramrod back, oh, and then you're ready to fire. Well, yeah, well, you, well, you also have to arm the weapon, too, but, and, yeah, but, well, like, yeah, yeah, right, so, but, uh, in, in quite the American style, there was a bit of miscommunication. Uh, the yeah. Americans actually dug themselves into a, uh, another hill, Breed's Hill. And that was actually much closer to the British. Yeah, imagine, imagine like it's just these guys like just happen to be d- digging in, and then it's like all of a sudden they just like peek over, and there's like a British like red coat like hundred yards away, and it's just like, oh, like, wait a minute, yeah. yeah. Which um, I, the best, my favorite part about this story is the British wake up the next morning, and the Americans are like on top of them, right? But right. The, the best, the best part of that story is the British woke up and they were like, wait, what? <laughs> like you didn't, Wait a minute! Right, like you didn't notice anything. Who were you? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the British were just like, "All right, we need to do something about this." So they started marching towards the Americans, and because they had such limited ammo, um, whoever was the commander at the time—I forgot his name—which uh, is probably not important because you're never gonna have to know his name, probably. Um, basically, the Americans were told, "Don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes." Because uh, this was done to conserve, things. right? It was done to conserve their ammunition because they didn't yeah. have a lot, like you said. Yeah. Um, but it was successful. The Americans were actually uh, initially drive back the British um, at first, so it was successful at first. But uh, right, the uh, British regroup uh, and and then driven back again. So the third time turns out to be the charm because by then the Americans were low, very low on ammo. Um, yeah, so, they 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 couldn't even call that like loadout drop to like call it in. Right. Um, so. But um, it would eventually be that it would be that wake up call for the Americans that the war was going to be long. It was going to be costly for the Americans, right. um, and that things weren't going to go as well as it did at Lexington and Concord. Right. So it was a formidable battle, uh, but unfortunately, after after the battle kind of clears, the British declared a victory. Right. So yeah. Um, another important uh, event we got to talk about is Washington and the Valley Forge. Yeah, so I mean, essentially what happens is the Americans were not successful in any stretch of the imagination uh, in the very early years of the war. Um, They were very much on the run. They lost a lot of territory. 
um, and the British were just coming on strong. Right. Um, compile that with the fact that, like, you know, you had low supplies. They were hard to get. Um, there weren't enough soldiers. Morale was at just an all-time low. People that were there were not happy to be there. Um, they were straight up not having a good time. <laughs> Um, and many of those, many, so here's the, here's the mess up part. If the Americans had to retreat, a lot of times the soldiers just straight out quit and went home. They rage quit. They literally were just like, screw this, I'm going home. Like, like there is no, like, like if you did that now, you go AWOL and you go to jail if they find you. Yeah, you're in some serious doo-doo. Right. Then they're going to be like, what are you going to do to me? We're losing anyway. Like. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Um, and that like obviously would piss off a lot of people. Um, but by the winter, well, I was gonna say side note, like the Declaration of Independence is signed in 1776, but that doesn't mean the war is over in 1776. If anything, it pisses the British off war and like like, the fight. We signed the Declaration of Independence, and King George is like, they did what? Yeah. So th- there's quite a bit of fighting after 1776. So, like you were saying, th- this is taking place uh, eventually through the winters of 1777 and 1778, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, w- that's why we're talking only today about the military part. We're going to talk about that political aspect with the Declaration of Independence uh, next episode. Uh, but by the winter of 1777-78, uh, the American military or whatever was left of it was very much on the run, and uh, British marched into Philly, uh, which was the biggest city at that point, um, and they were just still marching. They did not care. So nope. Washington set up camp in Valley Forge, um, and the army was tired. The army was sick. Um, they were you know, malnourished. Um, they had been brutally beaten back by the british so like at the end of the day like there was nothing good going on um so they just needed a place to like hang for the winter side note valley forge is in pennsylvania so just in case anyone cares right well with all of these like things kind of leaning against them a lot of the freedom fighters uh, wondered if freedom from the British was actually worth all of the carnage. Right. It's back um, to that, like, is the juice worth the squeeze thought. Right. Um, luckily for them, though, like you had mentioned earlier, you have a couple of Prussian volunteers um, start coming in, mm-hmm. uh, which comes from uh, one dude in particular, quite the name. You have uh, Baron von Steuben, I believe is how it's pronounced. I like it. I like that name. Um yeah, so he came in, and so modern-day Prussia is, like, parts of, like, what, it's like, Germany, I think, like, parts of, like, Poland. Yeah. It's, like, it's like central to, like, Eastern Europe-ish. Right. Um, so they, you know, he came, um, and he was absolutely appalled at the lack of discipline in American troops. Keep in mind, Baron von Steuben is coming from a legit military. He's coming from an area where it's, like, you know, they're highly trained. It's, oh, the know, Prussian Empire had quite a bit of power. Exactly. So he comes over and was like, all right, guys, let's see what you're working with. And then it's just like a bunch of dying men around a campfire, half naked. It's just like, okay, yeah. we're going to start. Get this. my work cut out for me. Yeah, right. It's like, like, it's like, and then he rolls right, back down because it's the winter. Exactly. It's like one of those things like we have to start at square one. All right, guys, you're what we call an army. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Yes. How do you spell that? And a lot of people couldn't. <laughs> they could not because they couldn't read. Right. Um, so Washington absolutely begged for help. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't say begged, but, like, I did. But, like, it's, like, one of those things, like, hi, <laughs> we really need your help. He wasn't like, please. Yeah, like, like, we got quite a bit on the line, for example, my life. Yeah, uh, so. yeah. Hey, do you know what they're going to do to me if we lose? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh so uh, the troops would learn quite a bit, uh, proper tactics and behavior. They would mm -hmm. be reformed into a professional fighting force, uh, and this basically helped re-bolster their confidence and morale. And I'm sure even to this day, a lot of that training still exists in the military. Sure. Like, a I mean, this lot is quite the those. turning point for the American uh, army. Uh, so as the weather improved, uh, as you can imagine, so did supplies. More food was made available to the soldiers, which that's your that's your energy. So a lot of you know, without mm -hmm. food, you're not going to have any. You're not going to have strong dudes fighting the war. Right? So yeah. uh, when the campaign uh, when the camping at Valley Forge started, there were twelve thousand men, but by spring, a quarter of them would die. That's not good. Another thousand would not reenlist, or they deserted. So uh, those yeah. that stayed home learned and improved and became stronger. So basically, they had eventually a brand new army mm -hmm. oh yeah so i mean like you know at the end of the day like if here's my thought like if you're gonna just up and quit i probably don't want you fighting because it's right. like you know you have a weak constitution as it is um right. so like you know it's fine with me all right we have another big battle that we got to talk about and this is what we would call a turning point battle quite the turning point yeah oh yeah um and it's one of the most important battles in the entire war and it's called the battle of saratoga um right. saratoga's upstate not too far from lake george um, upstate new york that is for those yes of you listening sorry in I'm, Finland. I'm sorry um yeah because we're global now we got we are global so, um you know I, Shout out to South Africa, whoever's listening to us in there. Before we, you know, we're going to take a quick break because I want to talk about this. I want to thank all of our listeners that are sticking with us. Mm. Um, I just want to go over some of the places that, according to Anchor, which is where we get, you know, host all this stuff, um, some of the listeners. So 87% of our listeners come from the United States. 86% of those listeners are from New York. 4% is Washington State. 6 a uh, 1% like a following in Washington State. That's excellent. Mercer 75% of our Washington State listeners are from Mercer Island. Uh 8% are from Seattle and 8% from Olympia and Sequim, I think or Sequim, whatever. Yeah, sorry if we butchered that. That was Mr. Leesman that butchered it. Mr. King did please, not. Please please continue following us. Um but that's where our, our Washington state listeners are from. Then we got it goes Kentucky, South Carolina, Texas, Maryland, Connecticut, Illinois, District of Columbia, Pennsylvania, Washington, I'm sorry, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, New Jersey, Colorado and then Massachusetts. There you go. Boom. But, yeah, but we got listeners in as I say United Kingdom, we got some Canada listeners, Ooh, buddy. our brothers, yeah, brothers yeah. in the north. Then we got Guam, Australia, Italy, Germany, Singapore, South Africa, and Serbia. So thanks. Yeah, Thailand, like yeah. Philippines, like you know Norway, like that's a dope. So shout out y'all, uh, England. So we've got in England, we our listeners come from Kettering, Durham. I'm not gonna. I don't. Whitney, Whitney's, Whitney's. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. There's a joke in there somewhere, but uh, ooh, Whitney's They're probably not going to be happy after 
I'm learning, people. Give me a chance of how to pronounce well, it. I was going to say, we're also Find talking out. about the American Revolution. But well, that's okay. Hold on, we got a quick ad. Oh, and right after <laughs> that, we had to stop. What, what are you trying to hear the pronunciation? England. What? Witness, England. Witness. I'm sorry, Witness. Okay, great. Thank you for all your support. Then we got Fulham, Welling, Chatham, 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 don't care, Ealing, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, so thanks. Appreciate it. We love you guys. Uh, thanks for making this journey with us. Go ahead and tweet uh, us on, on the Twatter. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tweet us on the Twatter. Um, so, shout out to all y'all. All right, but let's talk about the Battle of Saratoga. Like you said, turning point in the war. Uh, oh, so yeah. there are two main battles here. You have Freeman's Farm and Bemis Heights, I think is how it's pronounced. Sound Bemis. Like Bemis. Bemis. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not sure, sorry, uh, to Mr. or Mrs. Bemis. Um, but anyway, the British were able to yeah, win yeah. at Freeman's Farm, uh, even though they had twice the number of casualties. So it was a British yeah. victory. However, they lost quite a bit of dudes. Here. Oh, yeah. Um so we're going to talk really quick about this rapscallion named Benedict Arnold. Um, first off, screw that guy um, yeah. because he would turn on us. Um, so he actually had some heroic moves. He So here's the deal. Um, he was living in like in the shadow of other uh, military personnel and really wanted to make a name for himself. Uh, yeah, George because Washington, he, unfortunately, did not really give him that spotlight. No, he and he was like salty. kind of – he was very salty because like uh, several people got a – got promoted over him and so he was like well eh. and benedict arnold had some uh some important victories under his belt and he still didn't yeah really yeah and he was so salty so well, about it him, that he... but... well yeah so um he was already known for someone who had trouble following orders which is probably why he didn't get promoted he decided to lead an assault on horseback um and that helped the american win americans win and that he would be severely wounded in the leg during this attack um yeah, this is this is before he betrayed the Americans. By the way, uh, he eventually joins the British and got a plate of eggs named after him. <laughs> See, I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, delicious, but yeah, I mean, I, I doubt yeah, yeah. eggs Benedict. <laughs> I don't think it's really named after him. But... I'm like sitting there writing these notes and just went. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, it caught me up. Perfect time for an egg joke. <laughs> <laughs> Can I offer you an egg in these That's trying Yeah. Oh no, it was named after Lemuel Benedict. Uh, even better. That's right. disappointing. Uh, anyway, a- anywho, he sucks and he's a coward. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know what? I'm about to say it. Okay. I don't care that you broke your elbow. The, the uh, British yeah. foolishly, the British foolishly waited for more supplies that never came. Meanwhile, <laughs> the Americans got more of everything. Remember, they're at home. So, right. Uh, they totally skip, skip, reverse, skip, and draw forward the British. Yeah, that's not a good, not a good no. thing. Yeah, that's an that's Uno reference, friend. by the way. Yes, if you don't know what Uno is, get your life yeah, together just... and buy a deck of cards of those right. cards. They, they, they absolutely demoralized the British here. So oh, finally, yeah. Uh, yeah, finally so, things were looking up for the Americans. They started winning more consistently. Yeah, and what's even more is that they actually, this battle in itself, basically convinced the French, Spanish, and the Dutch to come in and help the Americans out. It was kind yeah, of like that the, proving ground. 
Right, and the French are in charge <coughs> in our country, but the, the Dutch are dirty rich. So, you know, like, this is... We will look to them for, kingdom, like, a lot of, like... Yeah, their entire kingdom is built upon finance, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, ha probably has a lot to do with the fact that they base their entire economy on a flower. Um, right. <laughs> so... But anyway, let's talk about our French alliance, right? So for years, the French had actually had an interest in watching the Americans beat back the British. The British and French hate each other. Absolutely oh. hate each other. The only oh. – and one of the major reasons too behind this is also religious differences. So they're both Christian, but the British are Protestant and the French are Catholic. So there's uh, some hatred there. Uh, yeah. Same thing with the, the Spain. Spain hates the British at this point because they're British or Protestant and Spanish or Catholic. But anyway, uh, probably had something to do with the bruising they suffered in the French Indian War or at the French Indian War. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I skipped so far ahead. <laughs> Never mind. I'm like looking at Yorktown. Uh, so the Declaration of Independence was signed and it, the, they were at their peak. At the, the war was at its peak and the Continental Congress had actually sent diplomats to Europe to uh, secure funding and supplies. Ben Franklin was sent to France um, and he had wined and dined uh, half oh, of Oh, yeah. Like literally everyone. Like, yeah. Um, he was quite the ladies' the... man. Yeah, oh yeah, which you wouldn't get from his images. Looking but anyway, at him, but... Listen, every I mean... from time to time, Thomas Jefferson would go over with Ben Franklin, and when, when they got there, Thomas Jefferson would be like, all right, so what you been doing, Benny? And he's like, what have you been doing, Benny? So, <laughs> yeah, just like literally getting... It's not so much what is a who. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right. Like he's been, he's been getting twisted with the French, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, he was like, he was besties with everyone who was anyone in france at that point oh yeah um so essentially what happened uh the french and the the uh, the french and the americans strike up some treaties um and when those treaties were in alliances were signed the americans um had a new friend it, it, essentially the french would become the first country to recognize the american government and this um, pissed the british off like, right so like if they were if the british were mad before they were like you know, yeah like the french king Louis on, on was fire. like you think that pissed them off wait till i do this yeah america you're a country and like all you yeah. hear from across the pond is like king george going <laughs> what yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um and so besides the supplies we had mentioned earlier the French really came through with a navy because at this point the American navy wasn't much more than five guys on a rowboat. <laughs> yeah, right. And right, so the Americans can beat the people by foot, but at the end of the day, you know, you have cities like Boston, Massachusetts being completely engulfed by British naval ships. Like, what are you going to run at that? Like, right, get cannon shot at you. Like, and on top of that, and on top of that, you have like the British are literally blockading the colonies, making sure that nothing comes in, that right. and nothing goes out until the French Navy shows up. And it's like, what's oh, that? Yeah. So, oh yeah, no, like it's it's one of those. It's like maybe this will help us get some French listeners. Shout out to France, thanks. Uh, anyway, the alliance also helped convince uh, Spain and uh, the, well, the Spanish and the Dutch to help out later. Uh, basically, France took that first step, and everyone else was like, "Well, I guess if you're going to do it, we might as well go all in too, and put in all their chips." Right. So, so the French came in with their freaking navy and just like. Yeah, just like shooting back at people, so like, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm gonna so, do from all straight. Just yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the 1780s. Let's... Yeah. Time moves on. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna talk about something like Yorktown and the end of the war now. So we're just gonna yeah. forward a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, by the 1780s, Americans were faring better. They were, I mean, so at the end of the day, they were still losing battles for the uh-huh. for the most part. Uh, but at the, the the French really put a hurtin on the British, and they actually expanded the war to not just the Americas, but like other places around the world. Yeah, it um, caused it caused quite the conundrum. Yeah, so essentially, this went from being like a war for independence to like. It branched out into almost like a more globalized conflict. Like this, yeah. This was people war. were like, "Let's finally beat down the British." Right. Um, yeah, it's like, Look, and... let's open up the pits. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. that battle starts yeah. playing. Uh, Release the snakes. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the French really put a hurting on the British. You had uh, leaders like Marquis de Lafayette. Uh, yeah. You know, if more you commonly know, goes by Lafayette, but right. You know, it's I, and it's like even when you call him Marquis de Lafayette, it's the Marquis de Lafayette. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've ever watched Hamilton, seen Hamilton, I know it's coming out on Disney Plus. It'll oh, be so out, good. it'll be out on Disney Plus by the time this episode. I think July. I think July third it comes out. Yeah, um, I'm definitely watching. Oh yeah, I mean, I had the opportunity to go see it. Uh, it was excellent. Do you have Disney Plus? I do. Okay. No free ads, but well, yes, I do. Yeah. Um, so but shout out to Lafayette for helping. Right. He, I um, mean, he's really dead right now, but yeah, and he actually becomes like a very big fa- uh, like a friend of the Americans. Um, more that and his their relationship goes long past the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so by 1781, Lord Cornwallis, who was leading the British at this point, was all set up in Yorktown, and he was hoping he can get some new supplies in by the uh, you know from England to continue his assault. Side note, Yorktown is in Virginia. Okay, yeah, perfect. Um, so, he didn't really count on the fact that the French came in with their navy and just, I mean, absolutely kept the, the British navy at bay. Like, they just got rid of the blockade, they weakened the blockade, and those ships that were coming in, he was just like, ha no! And they were kept out. Uh, and away from from landing, so you know Cornwallis was like starting to run low. Right, uh, right. So meanwhile, Lafayette and Washington, they're headed on over to Yorktown and surround the British. Uh, so that's quite the move, also. Yeah. So I mean, we consider that today to be the end of the war. Like that's like that the ending piece. Um, and that actually, so totally side note, the battle uh, word goes back to England about Yorktown. And they actually wind up losing all faith in the prime minister at this point. Um, and they actually – this leads to a vote of no confidence and he was removed from power once this Correct. came at the, because of the war. When word got back, he literally lost his mind and was just like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. and, like had like – had like a – probably had like an aneurysm um, yeah. because like a – you know. It's over. Well, like you said, the war is, is technically over at this point, mm-hmm. but there's one big problem, uh, and that's word travels incredibly slow in the 1700s. Slower than molasses on a January morning. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so because word travels very slow, the British continue to fight, but the British public turned against the war. Absolutely. They wound up electing a pro, pro-American pro parliament, or basically one that was – a parliament that was very much eager to get this war over right? Um, and call it a day. 
Yeah, so it's they look for peace here. Yeah, it's too yeah. little too late. They there there was there was actually an option at one point. Um so the war gets started, they sign the declaration, they send it over right around that time. The British actually were like low key asking the Americans that were like once the war had already started, everyone's mind was made up and it was like Amer- according to the Patriots, it was like war is on, we we want full independence at this point. But there was actually one point where the British actually sent a delegation, they were like, "Hey, you can have what's called home rule, so essentially, like, you can rule, but you'll still be part of the empire. Kind of like the way Canada... Yeah, kind of the way Canada and India are today, where they're, like, they're their own independent nations, but they still recognize, like, the royal family. Right. And they still have, like, the, the queen on all their money. Um, that was offered to the Americans, to which we laughed at them. Yeah, we were like, yeah, hang on one second. No! Then... <laughs> yeah, right. Um... Long story short, Ben Franklin, John Adams, and John Jay go to England, and they iron out an agreement. The 1783 uh, Treaty of Paris was signed by ending the war uh, and announcing that the British would officially recognize the American government and open lanes of trading, etc., etc. Yeah, and also, side side note, there's like a billion Treaty of Parises, so don't that's like, why buckle I, down too hard, but that's why <clears throat> Mr. Leeson said the 1783 Treaty of Paris. Because right. there's, I am not joking, a lot of Treaty of Parises. But, yeah, it's because uh, they all were in Paris. Like, that's why yeah. it's called it. I'm actually well, I mean, it was a huge, it was a huge city. <sighs> yeah, it's probably a lot of bullet points you're looking at right now. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Yeah, well, while he irons that out, um, let's wind down. So let's just take a moment to realize the war is over. British lost, you can probably hear Mr. Leesman counting, but the British lost a bunch of farmers and some French guys. How many? So, you know, it's demoralizing. The British cannot beat off farmers and uh, the French dudes. So, um, so the revolution, uh, revolutions like this don't really happen very often, and it wasn't common for a colony to overthrow its government. This was actually one of the first of its time. Um, so it actually would go on to set off the American Revolution, would actually set off streaks of revolutions in uh, the Americas, as in like South America, Central America, and even France itself. So uh, sorry, not sorry. There's about 30-plus um, thir- treaties of Paris. Yeah, that's a lot. Going back to the 1200s. Uh, <laughs> the first one it says here is 1229, and like one of the more recent ones, I mean... You have, like, actually, oh, no, like 1951. Right. But now that we've covered the actual battles, tune in next time to our, our next episode. We'll talk about the political part of the revolution. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on besides the fighting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's a two-way street, right? So. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, so that's it, guys. Yeah. Happy Big fourth. fan of the song that we're going to... We're going to oh, be jogging yeah. here with. Yeah. You know, this is probably one of the songs that I meant for, like, remember I said last episode, I was like, I had an idea. This it, is like one of those that, like, I sat down and went, I need to write this down before I forget it again. Yeah. No, this is a good one. But anyway, so, like Mr. Lee Smith was saying, uh, in advance, happy 4th of July. Eventually, when you're listening to this, I hope you had a good 4th of July. Yeah. yeah be safe. Social distance. You know, Wear the, a mask. You know the wash your hands. Yeah. At least two minutes, warm soapy water. Anyway. Alright, bye guys. See you guys.
You too.